Welcome to FS Air, the weekly teaching content of Forest Students, brought to you over the airwaves. How do you feel about politics? Maybe you feel a lot of things. Perhaps you feel anger or fear about the current political state in our country. Maybe you're upset with the way the election turned out and afraid for what's going to happen next in our country. Maybe you're proud. Maybe you're glad with the way things currently are. Or perhaps you're despairing about the direction our country is headed. Or maybe you're just bored and tired of it all. And you're just ready to turn on the radio or TV and not have to hear more about politics. Well, how do you think God feels about politics? Perhaps you think not very much, but actually, God has given us a lot in his word to describe how he feels about politics and what he expects about the political leaders in our world. So in this episode today, we're going to look at five things, five truths that God gives us about his design for human government. And these will come right from the book of Proverbs. So first, let's look at Proverbs chapter 11, verses 10 through 11. These verses say, When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there are shouts of gladness. But by the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. Number one, we find out that upholding righteousness is God's design for human government. What does God expect out of government? Well, a lot of things. But if I could summarize it in one phrase, it would be upholding righteousness. In other words, God wants governments to do good and not do bad. That's pretty simple, right? Government should do things like protect people, pass fair laws, and punish evildoers. Those are good things. The last one, punish evildoers, is specified right here in this verse. It says, when the wicked perish, there are shouts of gladness. A role of government is to keep evil in check. Romans 13.4 tells us that the government is God's servant, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. This is why we have police and military, to keep evildoers at bay. That is a good function of the government that God has designed it for. Proverbs 11.10 says, when the wicked perish, and when you hear the word perish, you could think when the wicked are arrested, when they're convicted, when they're brought to justice, there are shouts of gladness. But if evil is allowed to remain, what could happen to a city or a nation? Verse 11 says it can be overthrown. So it's important that a government chooses to rule righteously. That, of course, begs the question, who defines righteousness? Who defines evil? What if one government's definition of evil is another government's definition of righteousness? So maybe North Korea's government is actually right to send citizens to concentration camps and work them to death. Maybe one government thinks it's ruling rightly when it's actually ruling wrongly. The Nazis thought they were doing good by cleansing humanity by killing the Jews. They thought they were the ones doing good, not bad. How can we know what right and wrong is? It's only by listening to the one who has told us true right from wrong. It's God. 
God is the one who defines what righteousness and evil is. Without God, righteousness and evil mean nothing. If a government wants to call murder good and fairness bad, how could you argue against it? Only if there's a greater authority who disagrees. So how do we know who defines right from wrong? Only by knowing God, who embodies righteousness. The government should do everything they can to bring our nations into line with God and his designs. Next, we look to Proverbs chapter 17, verse 23. It says, A wicked person secretly takes a bribe to subvert the course of justice. Proverbs 31, 8-9 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Second, we find out God wants governments to rule with justice, not favoritism. God wants governments to rule with justice, not favoritism. Leadership, according to God's design, should be fair. Leaders shouldn't make rules that help some people while hurting other people. They shouldn't take bribes from rich people and overlook poor people. Government should not play favorites. Several years ago, there was a judge in Chicago named Thomas Maloney. For almost 15 years, Mr. Maloney was the judge for numerous murder trials for members of mafias and gangs. Other authorities began to notice that Mr. Maloney rarely ever sentenced murderers. They always seemed to be let go as innocent whenever he was deciding a trial. Authorities investigated this judge and found out that he had been taking over $100,000 in bribes from mafias and gangs not to sentence any of their men to prison. He would let murderers walk free just as long as he got his money. Is that the kind of government that God wants? No, absolutely not. Thankfully, Thomas Maloney was sentenced to 15 years in prison for corruption. He could have avoided that fate had he just listened to God's wisdom, right? God doesn't want politicians, God doesn't want judges to play favorites. Now that sounds easy, but when rich and powerful people are waving millions of dollars in your face, if you just take their side this one time, if you just let something slide, if you just bent the rules a little bit, then it can be very hard for politicians to resist. We should pray for our leaders to reject corruption, and be fair to all people. Next, let's look at Proverbs 25, verse 15. A ruler can be persuaded through patience, and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Proverbs 24, 21 through 22 says, My son, fear the Lord, as well as the king, and don't associate with rebels, for destruction will surely come from them. Who knows what distress these two can bring? Number three, godly political influence is peaceful and humble, not forceful and proud. This is very countercultural in our country today, isn't it? What has politics turned into? Almost like a shouting match, right? One side wants to get what they want, so they're loud and angry, and then the other side realizes that the first side is loud and angry, so they get louder and angrier. And there's this escalation to see who can be the loudest and the angriest on the public stage. We've seen a lot of riots and protests in America this past year. Looting, burning, violence. 
just terrible, terrible stuff. Many people in America think that being the loudest, angriest, and most violent is the only way to influence politics. But God warns us here in Proverbs that it's dangerous to associate people who are like that and who desire those ends. God tells us here in Proverbs that the wiser, better path to political influence is this. The godly way to influence politics is through peace and humility, not force and pride. Christians shouldn't participate in riots and violence, but we should also be careful not to use our own words as violence either. We shouldn't insult politicians. We shouldn't explode at people who vote differently from us. That's not how God wants us to have political influence. What does Proverbs 25 verse 15 say? A ruler can be persuaded through patience and a gentle tongue can break a bone. It doesn't sound like it would work, but according to God, it does. Martin Luther King Jr., who led the civil rights movement for African Americans to be treated with equality and fairness in the U.S., was very adamant that he did not want violence to be a part of his influence. He said this, Nonviolence means avoiding not only external physical violence, but also internal violence of the spirit. You not only refuse to shoot a man, but you refuse to hate him. That is some good wisdom based right here in Proverbs, isn't it? Jesus himself told us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. When we choose to have political influence peacefully and patiently, we're taking God's wisdom and putting it into practice. Proverbs 21 verse 1. A king's heart is like channeled water in the Lord's hand. He directs it wherever he chooses. Number four, good and bad governments are both under God's control. Good and bad governments are both under God's control. This is a great reminder for us in our world that is so politically divided. We have good and bad governments all over our world. And we have good and bad politicians competing for control, even here in America. We may feel like sometimes when bad politicians win, when dictators control countries and terrorize people, that there's no hope. That's why this proverb is so important. It affirms that even the worst president, the most evil dictator, is not out of God's control. They are still under his authority, under his control, and God can do with them whatever he wishes. That's really good news, isn't it? Imagine if bad governments were actually out of God's control and he had no control, no, no hand over them. Wouldn't that make you much more nervous? But like Proverbs says, kings are like water in God's hands. He directs them wherever he chooses. Now, you might be wondering, wait, why would God allow someone like Adolf Hitler to ever be a ruler? Are you saying that God could have stopped Hitler and the Nazis, but, but he didn't? Doesn't seem very good to me. Now, that question could very easily be its own three-hour lesson. But let me just say this. God allows even evil rulers under his control to accomplish his plans. God can turn evil into good. He can use evil to destroy evil. He restrains evil all around us without us even noticing. And one day, God will destroy evil forever. We think that everything needs to be corrected here and now before we die. 
that God needs to remove this leader, give us that leader, and everything will be great. But listen, God is at work, even when we don't see it. He will handle evil leaders. He can take bad leaders and make good things come from them. He holds leaders like water in his hand. When you hold water in your hands, does the water fight back? Does it jump out of your hands unexpectedly? No. The water goes wherever you happen to tilt it. So it is with God and governments. Finally, number five, remember that Jesus is the only king who will reign forever. Okay, I'm kind of cheating here because this one is not from Proverbs, but I think this ties in with everything from Proverbs we've been seeing exactly the way it should be. This is one of the most freeing truths if you can grasp it here on earth. This will calm your anger and soothe your worries. If you can remember this truth, no matter who wins an election, you can have hope. Philippians 3 verse 20, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. As Christians, our true citizenship is not here in America, but in heaven. One true, our one true ruler is not Donald Trump or Joe Biden. We should respect them, yes, but they are only temporary. Our true, everlasting ruler is Jesus Christ, who is righteous and just, peaceful and humble, completely in control. And our Savior is not this political party or that political party, but God himself. Politics and government will one day be gone, but Jesus will be our King forever. Let's close with Psalm 146, verses 3 and 5. Do not trust in nobles and a son of man who cannot save. Happy is the one whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, his God. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to check out the episode description for discussion questions and additional Bible reading to do with your family, your friends, or your small group. And make sure to check back again soon for more content. We'll see you next time.